tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. One of the main characteristics of someone who struggles with alcohol is the obsession. We think about our drinking all the time. We do mental gymnastics and try to figure out how to control our drinking. We bargain with ourselves and talk ourselves into why drinking is such a good idea. The obsession is very frustrating and it continues on into sobriety too. I've seen so many people feel defeated because they think about alcohol all the time even though they're sober. In this episode, I'm going to to explain the obsession and why alcohol dominates your thoughts. I think this is a pretty good one and I hope it answers a lot of questions for you. So let's dig in.
attractive something is to you and how much it attracts your attention impacts your ability to regulate your impulses. It's been found that the more something attracts our attention, the less able we are to regulate our impulses. Think back on your drinking and your time not drinking. How much of your attention did alcohol demand? I know for me, even at three years sober, when I go out, my attention is immediately drawn to everyone's drinks. I know what drink people are on, how fast they're drinking, and I know where all the bars are in an event venue. I used to call it my sixth sense, but now I realize it's just a manifestation of my problem. I also see it as a reminder of why I can't go back. If I'm that focused on alcohol naturally at three years sober, then what would I be like if I actually started to drink alcohol again? A 2014 study published in the Psychology of Addictive Behaviors looked at the difference in attentional bias between heavy and moderate drinkers. Attentional bias is the tendency to pay attention to something and ignore other things. And that's the theme of this episode, so make sure you got that. It's the tendency to pay attention to something and ignore everything else. So in this study, they had 20 heavy drinkers and 20 moderate drinkers, and they monitored their eye movements to see how much time they spent focused on alcohol compared to neutral things. The heavy drinkers had significantly greater attentional bias than the moderate drinkers. And once both groups started drinking, something really interesting happened. The moderate drinkers had no change in attentional bias, probably because they don't care about alcohol either way, but the heavy drinkers had a decrease in attentional bias that continued to decrease as they drank more alcohol. To me, this represents that relief that we feel when we have the first drink. It quiets down the obsession and the cravings. Even though we're never really satisfied and we always want more alcohol, starting to drink does relieve the obsession and the craving, which I think is why our attentional bias starts to decrease the more we drink. It's thought that heavy drinking causes changes to the brain that make us more sensitive to alcohol and alcohol-related stimuli, so things in the environment that have to do with alcohol. And over time, these cues become more noticeable and important to our brains, and they demand more and more of our attention. If you listened to episode 62, where I did a deep dive on dopamine, then you may remember that alcohol causes a bigger dopamine release than natural rewards. And dopamine allows the brain to form a memory of the experience, so that alcohol helped you have fun, that it helped you relax and deal with anxiety, that it helped you cope, or that it made you feel better when you were overwhelmed. We form these memories so the next time we're presented with a cue, the brain can help us find what will help us. The problem with alcohol, though, is that the dopamine hit is so big that it tells the brain that alcohol is really, really important for our survival. When you encounter a cue, dopamine is released in the brain to motivate you to seek out alcohol because the brain believes that it helps. Alcohol cues create a very strong motivation to drink alcohol. We talked about how much we value a reward in episode 115, so go back and listen to that if you haven't. But we value rewards based on how much we believe they help us and how quickly we believe they help us. So although it's short-lived and we feel much worse afterwards, alcohol does relieve anxiety, make us happier, help us connect with others, have more fun, or help us forget our problems or our trauma. So after reinforcing this for years, 
years, we have very strong beliefs about alcohol. And valuing alcohol doesn't mean that you're a loser either. It just means that you believe alcohol helps and you want the help immediately and you don't know any other way to cope. This is why you wake up with the resolve to not drink, but then you drink at the end of the day anyway. Throughout the day, your reasons for drinking start to show up and the value you place on alcohol increases. You can value sobriety at the same time, but the more you value alcohol, the harder it is to not drink it. There have been a lot of studies on sober people and attentional bias. Many studies have found that attentional bias predicts how much someone will drink, the intensity of their cravings, and the severity of their problems from drinking. This isn't just a correlation either. There have been some studies supporting the causal role of attentional bias and how much someone drinks. Some studies have looked at retraining someone on how they deal with alcohol cues and then testing how much alcohol they consume in a taste test. Participants think that they're asked to taste and identify or rate the alcohol, but actually researchers are just observing how much alcohol they consume during the fake taste test. Not all attentional bias retraining studies have found an impact though. So even though it is believed that attentional bias has a major impact on problematic drinking, there doesn't really seem to be a solution for it. And to me, this just reinforces the idea that once we develop a problem, it's permanent and you can't learn to moderate. One 2012 study looked at binge drinkers versus moderate drinkers who never binge drink. And they found that the binge drinkers attentional bias was three times the attentional bias of the moderate drinkers. So they paid attention to alcohol way more than moderate drinkers. They also found that the moderate drinkers' attentional bias remained constant regardless if it was before they drank, when they first started, or after a couple drinks. And like the study I talked about in the beginning of this episode, the binge drinkers had a high attentional bias that decreased the more alcohol they drank. And this makes perfect sense because when we start to drink, we feel relief. Moderate drinkers don't drink to satisfy cravings, so they aren't going to feel relieved when they start drinking. This study also found that after drinking, the moderate drinkers and binge drinkers had almost the same attentional bias. So we drink to bring ourselves back down to baseline and to calm the obsession. They also found that the stronger attentional bias someone had, the more alcohol they consumed. So in my opinion, attentional bias or our tendency to notice and pay close attention to alcohol relates to the obsession. The stronger attentional bias someone has, the more they crave alcohol, and the more alcohol they drink. And I'd also take a guess that they obsess over alcohol more too. I think this represents the spectrum. And the further down the spectrum you go, the more you drink, the more consequences you have, the stronger your cravings are, and the more you obsess over your drinking. We discussed this a bit in episode 122, but a 2013 study found that a 15-minute brisk walk reduced urges to drink, and more importantly, it reduced attentional bias to alcohol-related images and cues. So if you're struggling with obsessing over alcohol and you feel like you can't get it off your mind, then go walk it off. Try walking every single day and see how that helps your mental health. A daily walk obviously is not going to cure you and fix all of your problems, but it seems like it could at least reduce the amount of time that alcohol is dominating your thoughts, which will obviously help you in terms of cravings or negotiating with yourself or just feeling hopeless. 
For social anxiety, it's thought that anxiety is maintained by attentional bias, and people who struggle with this will scan their environment for signs of potential disapproval from others, like looking out for frowning or boredom, and they have trouble disengaging their attention from this. And for someone with health anxiety, they have a strong attentional bias towards their physical symptoms and how their body feels. They're constantly scanning for signs of illness or something being different. Someone without health or social anxiety may not even think of those things at all. Or if they do, it's very rarely, and they can probably disengage their attention from it pretty quickly and move on. They don't become obsessed with it and get stuck in those thoughts. So sobriety isn't about depriving you or making you a social weirdo or preventing you from having fun ever again. It's about freedom from the obsession. That's the goal. Some people can moderate their drinking with extreme control and focus. They are able to resist urges and stop after a couple drinks, but they maintain their obsession for alcohol. I've had some people tell me that they had been moderating just fine for a year, but it wasn't worth constantly thinking about it. And that's why I'm always pushing sobriety, because the obsession isn't your choice, and it's not something that you can make go away just because you successfully control your drinking. I want you to never have to think about if you can drink today, how much you can have, how do you make sure you have this many and not too much, and then resist cravings for more alcohol the following day. I don't want you to think about your past drinking and beat yourself up for it or make mistakes. And even though you may have achieved your goal of moderating and drinking less, that's not really freedom. It's the same exact obsession. You're just controlling it. You didn't make it go away. And just because you moderate doesn't mean you won't have nights where you mess up and drink way too much, which then ruins the next day, makes you hate yourself and beat yourself up, and it's just not worth it in my opinion. So if you're struggling with obsession and thinking about your drinking all the time, then just know that that is normal for problem drinkers, but that is not the normal experience. That's not what everybody else experiences. That's what a small percentage of the population will experience. It's not that the moderate drinkers and take it or leave it drinkers are better than us. They just don't think about their drinking all the time. They don't obsess over it. They don't feel relief when they start to drink. They don't drink to satisfy cravings. So there's a lot of differences and this obsession is a major difference. I didn't understand while I was drinking that the obsession and thinking about my drinking all the time was abnormal. I thought that if I could think about it more, I could learn how to control it and unlock the secret to moderation. But the goal is to get rid of the obsession completely. And in sobriety, the obsession for me is gone. Yes, I still notice alcohol all the time and pay attention to it because I have this attentional bias and it's not a choice, but I notice it and I can move on with my life now. If you're looking for support in this and you want a safe, supportive community with meetings, then check out my membership and come hang out with us. Our meetings are really small. Everybody gets to talk and they will always stay that way. You can learn more at soberpowered.com membership and I will talk to you next week.
Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.